So, Indescribable Gift. We have been uh, in this series called Indescribable Gift. And uh, the idea behind this comes from 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Paul is writing this. And so, if you go back before when, when Paul writes this actual scripture, he's talking to the church, he's talking about giving gifts, he's talking about taking care of the poor, he's talking about the good things that are happening, but then he gets into talking about the love and grace of God through the person of Jesus, and then all he can pin is this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, again, we we have said this, many of you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, this is Paul, the writer of almost two-thirds of the New Testament. This is Paul who was chose at a very early age to study religion. This is Paul who's very educated. This is Paul who, who knew Jesus very well, who met Jesus on the road. This is Paul who, who was planting churches. This is Paul who would go into the temple and have dialect with the very elite intellectuals. This is Paul who had no problem coming up with verbiage in any part of his vocabulary. Right? And then we made a joke last week. We're not talking about Peter the fisherman, right? Because if, if it was Peter, it would have been a grunt. Thanks be to God for his mm, gift. This is Paul. This is Paul. And the best that he can come up with is indescribable. In, in other words, when he tries to describe Jesus, when he tries to describe the love and the grace and the mercy that God has shown us through giving us his only son, Jesus Christ, he comes up with the word indescribable. Now, we, we've joked around about, if, if you can think in your mind, the greatest, most unbelievable gift that someone could give you, what would it be? Don't say it out loud. Because maybe you got it already. And you just don't know. It's going to be a surprise. But no matter what this world could offer us, no matter what a loved one could offer us, at some point, some way, somehow, in our human language, we would figure out how to describe that, wouldn't we? We would have pictures to prove it. Because you have to take pictures of everything you do now, evidently, from what I hear. And then you have to post them everywhere. I, I, I really believe that pretty soon there will be like flat screens in the bathroom so you can keep up with what everybody else is doing. Anyway, don't post what you're doing at that moment, but you'll be able to keep up. Now, so, so the idea is somehow, some way, we could describe that gift, yet Paul is saying, look, the gift that we have in Jesus, the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because of this indescribable gift. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, prophesies of the Savior, the Messiah to come in, in chapter 9, verse 6 of the book of Isaiah. And he says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We walked through those last week, and, and, and so it's interesting that it ends with Prince of Peace because what I thought we would do today is we're going to build a platform to peace. Peace is an interesting concept, isn't it? We, we, you know, if you, we, we strive for peace. The world tries to offer peace. We talked a little bit about peace last week, but, but the only true peace that we can ever have in our own life is found in God, being at peace with God, through what Jesus Christ did for us. So peace. So we'll wind up there, but let's backtrack a little bit, and let's talk about this indescribable gift. Number one, the indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew one twenty three: the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. So we're building a platform to peace. First of all, we know that we're born into sin. Someone else did something that made us sinners, and that was Adam. And someone else did something that made us righteous. That was Jesus Christ. So we're separated from God through sin. So God, what religion couldn't do, God did for us by sending his only son. So God becomes man and dwells among us. John says it this way, John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this whole idea of Emmanuel, the indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us, the God who created everything that we know, that we see, that we touch, that we smell, that we experience, that God, the God of everything that we know and things that we don't even know, the God who flung the stars into existence, who calls them out by name, the God who carpeted the fields with grass, the God who who makes commands to the thunder and it thunders, who calls down fire from heaven, who causes things to be that are not just by speaking words. That God became man and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. That is an indescribable gift. Why is it indescribable? Because I know me and I know my imperfections and, and I know on my best day, I'm, I'm not worthy of the son of God dying for me. I'm not worthy of God leaving a palatial kingdom called heaven, coming to a a nasty earth and walking the face of this earth. For me, I know I'm not worth that, but God's love pushed him to send his only son to come to this earth. Emmanuel, God with us. If you can describe that, you can preach next week. I can't describe it, but I walk in it. The indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Which then, so if we're building a platform to peace, peace being where we're going to try to wind up today. And so through Emmanuel, God with us, through God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, through God coming to this earth and walking with us, through the teacher becoming the teacher on earth and walking among the students, through that, then we get a high priest. So number two, the indescribable gift of a high priest. Why is this important? Why, why, is it so, why is that an indescribable gift? Because Jesus comes to do what religion could not do. Jesus comes to overcome the world because we can't overcome the world in our own right. So Hebrews 4, 15, we'll stop at 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, so here we have... Emmanuel, God with us, comes to this earth and walks among us so that now we have a high priest that's not separate from us. We have a high priest that can identify with the temptation and the struggles that we go through with in our everyday life. That's when Jesus becomes a reality in many of uh, uh, our lives and on this journey that we call Christianity. See, if we separate the, the person of Jesus, all God, all man, and if we somehow separate the fact that he walked on this earth, that he stumped his toe. Well, Jesus wasn't tempted like I'm tempted. There's no way because he couldn't have lived a sinless life. I bet he didn't even have internet and a laptop. (laughs) For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without 
sin. Emmanuel, God with us, indescribable. A high priest given to us, indescribable, so that he experienced every temptation that we experience for our time on earth. Everything that we go through, Jesus went through. And you say, well, seriously, do you really? Yes, that's what Hebrews is talking about. That's why it's so It's indescribable that we have a high priest. Now, remember the cultural relevance that this is written in. During the times before Jesus came, religion said you had to go to the temple. You had to offer sacrifices. The priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. The priest was the one that would take your sacrifice and take it into the Holy of Holies and would offer the sacrifice to God. So you had to have a, you had to have a mediator. You had to have Someone, yet that priest was still human just like anyone else. This priest is our high priest who is all God and he lived without sin yet being tempted in every way. So Emmanuel, God with us, then brings the indescribable gift of a high priest. Why is it so important that we have a high priest? Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. One of, the, one of the major dysfunctions of what the church portrays to the world is when you mess up, you're terrible, and God wants nothing to do with you. You know the only difference between Peter and Judas? Peter ran to God, and Judas ran away. You ever seen that before? And so in my time of need, because I have a high priest who's not separated from me, I have a high priest that understands how I think, that understands how I'm tempted. I can then approach the throne of grace with confidence. One version says boldness so that I might receive mercy and find grace in my time of need. I receive mercy when I throw myself at God. I receive that mercy and then I find grace. That's what Christmas is about. That's what a Savior coming to this earth is about. It's about grace. My wife and I, my son, were on our back porch last night. We were talking about grace. And we are talking about how, how do you gauge grace? Like, where's the barometer of grace? Where, where's the cosmic scoreboard for grace? Because, you, you know, if you take me, I may, I may, I may need a 9.9. And some of you are so perfect, you may need a 0.1. But guess what? You still need grace. You can't measure grace. You, you, there's, no way to get, there's no way to get our, our, our small little minds around a grace that would cause a God to love us so much that he would send his only son. That only son, Emmanuel, coming to be God with us, then becomes our high priest in the line of priesthood. He does what religion could not do by overcoming sin, yet tempted in every way. He lives without sin. Thus, him doing that then allows us to approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence so that we can obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. That's good news. So perhaps when you open a gift this week or give a gift, or perhaps when you do communion Christmas morning that we're going to give you in these bags, perhaps you could thank God just for a moment for the mercy that you do not deserve and the grace that comes so freely. That's what Christmas is about. That's indescribable. 
You can put a bunch of theologians in a room and lock them in there with bread and water for years and they will not be able to describe the grace that has infiltrated mankind through God's love in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, turning into our high priest, doing what religion could not do, which then brings us to this wonderful word, righteousness. So Emmanuel, the indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us, the indescribable gift of a high priest. Number three, the indescribable gift of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, underline this in your Bible. Get online tomorrow and get these notes. If you do not know this scripture, memorize it, write it down. It's a great scripture to witness with, and it's a great one to, to be able to quote on a really bad day. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who knew, who, who's him? Jesus. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, he sent Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, becomes the high priest, lives without sin, but then bears the burden of the sin of humanity. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is about Jesus taking the sin of humanity once and for all, being the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sin of mankind, bringing redemption to the human race so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The the righteousness of God. Now, how many of you have had a like a really good day lately. Really? Come on, man. Everybody take a breath. Let it out. You're having a good day. Let me help you out there, all right? It's a phenomenal day. But, you know, you have some of those days where spiritually you just kill it, right? You could have flipped that person off in traffic, but you didn't. Check. Get points for that, right? You, you could have been rude, but you weren't. You read your Bible. You prayed. You, you, you just, you did good. And then you lay your head on the pillow that night, and you're like, God, you must be really proud of me. <laughs> don't, don't think you hadn't done that before. Don't act like you hadn't done that, Right? You, you know you do that because on the days that you really blow it, there's that thought, God, you must really be disappointed in me. Well, the fact of the matter is sin separated us from God. And there had to be a price paid for that sin. And so on our best day, we're not righteous in the eyes of God. In our worst day, we're not righteous in the eyes of God. We're righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Emmanuel, God with us, then becomes our high priest, lives a sinless life. Then God makes him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. I don't know where the church along the way got so good at convoluting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's love sent him to this earth sent him to a cross after living a sinless life because he wanted his creation to be restored back to him. God's holy can't be around sin. Thus Jesus enters in. God makes him who knew no sin, even during his time on this earth, to become sin for us 
so that we could become the righteousness of God. Can I tell you, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the moment that you believe that you believe, because nobody can believe for you, the moment that you believe, the Bible says you're, you're righteous in God's sight. Wow. So you get a, the indescribable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Then you get the indescribable gift of a high priest. Then you get the indescribable gift of righteousness who comes through Emmanuel, God with us, and the high priest. Now we're made righteous in God's sight. So all three of those things, we're building a platform to peace. All three of those things then leads us into a realm of victory. So watch this. Number four, the indescribable gift of victory. And so I have Emmanuel. I have a high priest. Now I've been made righteous in the eyes of God, which means I win which means the creator of everything that we know, the one who, who, who controls all that we know, sees me as redeemed, sees me as righteous, sees me as forgiven. Therefore, I win. And if I'm not mistaken, if you win, they call it victory. So Jesus comes, lives a sinless life, doesn't stop there, takes our death and sin to the cross. Then he overcomes sin. He overcomes death. And he overcomes the grave so that we could do the same. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. We're talking about Christmas. We're talking about the the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and then we get to the cross. And so I I know this is not exactly a Christmas passage, but I'm not going to see most of you until Easter again, so I thought I'd just go ahead and read it. In case you have car trouble next Easter, you, you get this. I'm just kidding. I'm so glad you're here. I'm just kidding. The indescribable gift of victory, Luke 24, 1 through 7, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Emmanuel, the indescribable gift of a God with us, the indescribable gift of a high priest who was tempted in every way yet lived without sin, the indescribable gift of righteousness, even on our worst day. The indescribable gift through all of that of victory. Because when you boil it all down, you rip back the layers. I don't know how you were raised or maybe what your background is with church or, or whatever. Let's just forget all of that for a moment today. When you boil the, the whole idea of Jesus Christ and Christmas and the cross, when you boil it all down... Here's where you land. You you land in that area. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And if I believe that, I'm forced with the question, am I going to put my faith in Jesus? I mean, that's just where we land with this. Emmanuel, high priest, righteousness, victory. And look, it's not just victory over, over death in the grave. It's not just victory for eternity. You can live in victory every day of your life through the power 
of Jesus Christ through the power of this word. You can live in victory. If some of you in this room right now and you're, you're depressed, you're, you're struggling to make it through this, this holiday season, maybe there's some addiction involved. Can I tell you, it's not easy, but you can overcome that through the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Just give it to him today. Let him have it. Walk out of here free of that burden and let the journey begin. You can walk in victory. It's possible. So Emmanuel, high priest, righteousness, victory. So we've built this platform. All of those things combined bring us to a place of peace. Every week during this, this series, we've talked about peace, but it brings us to a place of peace. So the last thing we look at right here, the indescribable gift of peace. We started this message talking about how we strive for peace, how we look for peace in different areas, how, how we, we try to do different things in our life to gain peace. Yet, at the end of the day, those things are, they're vague, aren't they? They're, 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 bo- they're, they're pits, bottomless pits. They're, Job says it's like trying to pull yourself up by a spider web. Think about that just for a second. Think about going out on your back porch or wherever you find spider webs, wherever you live. Think about finding a spider web today and saying, hey, kids, watch this. I'm going to climb the roof. That's not going to work, is it? Unless you... <laughs> That's a whole different story. We, yeah, that, no. That's what trying to gain peace by the, what the world offers is like. It's just a, it's unfulfilling. And we all know that. But the peace that God offers is peace for salvation, but it's peace for every day and it's peace for eternity. We talked about that last week, the three stages of peace. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's not many scriptures in the Bible that put it much more plain like this. And therefore, since we have been justified, that word justified means to be made right in the eyes of. If I am being accused of doing something that's against the law, and I am taken into a court and I have a lawyer, and that lawyer stands up to the jury and to the judge and says, enough words that prove my innocence, that means that I will have been justified in the eyes of that jury and in the eyes of the judge. Therefore, my actions did not go against the law, so I will be set free. We can all understand that, right? Hopefully nobody has to go through that anytime soon, but we can, we can understand that. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. So he comes to accuse us day and night. Yet when what we should have deserved should be coming, the friend of sinners shows up, and his name is Jesus Christ, and does what religion couldn't do. Therefore, through what Jesus Christ has done, we're justified. We're made right in the eyes of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No other way. You can't give enough money. You can't work enough. You can't feed enough homeless people. All those things are great. You can't do anything to earn the love of God. It's a free gift, and it's grace, unmerited. Wow. So the question is, before we're dismissed today, before we go enjoy outside and enjoy this week and family and friends or wherever life takes you, are you justified in the eyes of God? The only way the Bible says that that can happen is through faith. Look at those two words right there, through faith. Therefore, since we have been justified, how? 
Through faith. Through faith in what? In Jesus. We have peace with our Lord God through Jesus Christ. Wow. So the question today is, have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you saved? Could, could you really identify that moment in time where you really... See, nobody can do that for you. Your faith is your faith. I, I can't jump in your skin and say, just for five minutes, I'm going to put Raina's faith in God and I'm going to jump back out and so she's good with God. I'm going to put Raina's faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Can't do that. Can't do that. That's what makes God's love for each of us individually so mesmerizing to me. Because God loves me so much and he knows me. He loves me so much he gave me my own measure of faith. And what I do with that faith is between me and God. Nobody can do that for me. But the Bible says when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, just like a ton of people did this morning in the first service, at that moment you're made into a new creation and you're justified in the eyes of God. Not because you're good enough not because everything's going to be hunky-dory as soon as you do that, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Emmanuel, God with us, high priest without sin, has made us righteous. We live in victory because we win, and now we can live in peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. Are you at peace with God today? It's a great question, isn't it? Are you at peace with God? Would you bow your heads all over this place? Say, Jason, that's me. At this very moment, I, I could not tell you that I'm at peace with God. Maybe you're in one of our overflow rooms right now, and your heads are bowed also. No one's moving around. Maybe that's you. You say, Jason, I, I, I'm not at peace with God. And you may be thinking right now, okay, so the Bible's true. We know that. And the Bible says the only way I can be at peace with God is through putting my faith in Jesus. And I'm realizing right now I've never done that. Man, what a great day to do that. What an unbelievable day to say, you know what, I need, if you need change in your life, Jesus is the X factor. I'm telling you, it works. There are many of us in this room right now that would testify to that. It works. It's not easy. It doesn't make everything perfect. It's not a pill that you take and all your problems go away. It is simply knowing that you are not alone on this journey. If that's you and you say, Jason, that's me. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ today. Would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see? Put it right back down. I see your hand. Thanks. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Just put it right back down. Just long enough for me to see. I just want to pray with you. In the overflow room, Pastor Steve's in there. He's going to pray with you. Anyone else? Say, I need, I need to put, I need to take that measure of faith right now and put it in Jesus. Waking up Friday morning, the first Christmas ever, as a child of God, as a new creation. Anyone else before we pray? That's awesome. I see your hand. Thanks. That's awesome. I see your hand in the back. Look, if you, if you raise your hand, I want to pray with you. Just by virtue of you raising your hand, you're confessing in your heart that you believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You believe he's the Son of God. You believe he lived a sinless life. You believe he took your death and sin on the cross. You believe they placed him in a grave, and you believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And the Bible says you're being made into a new creation right now. If you raised your hand, after we pray, please go to the tent and get a Bible, get a devotion. If you're not comfortable doing that, email the church. A pastor will get back with you. We want to help you. We don't want to get in your business. We just want to help you on this new journey. But most of all, in this precious moment, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Father, thank you that at this very moment, 
I feel your presence so strongly. And right now, I'm confessing in my heart, God, I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life, and I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave, and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day, and I believe with all my heart he's coming back for me one day. So right now, my faith, Lord, my faith, the faith that you gave me, my precious faith, I'm putting it in you, God, and what Jesus Christ did for me. Forgive me of my sins. Set me on the right path, Lord. Put people around me that can help me in this new journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, sit sit still for a second. If you raised your hand, please go out to the tent, get a Bible, get a devotion. Two more things before you're dismissed and before you go play in the snow. We, We have a gift for you. And this started years ago. Raina and I, really? Am I going to talk or are you going to? I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Years ago, we didn't have a church. We planned the church and we were the church. And so we were like, oh, what are we going to do for Christmas communion? So we would just have communion by ourselves in our den. And we've had a pattern of doing that through the years. And so we've, over the past seven or eight years, shared that with you. And so inside this bag, you will find the Christmas story. You will find instructions on how to administer communion. You say, isn't that the pastor's job? And, you know, you are the pastor of your home. First thing you ought to do Christmas morning is take this bag out, get the communion elements out, read the Christmas story, especially if you have kids. Let them know what Christmas is really all about. Have communion together, then go about your day. But there's also some other stuff in here. There's a Christmas ornament, coastline Christmas ornament. And it, uh, yeah, nobody ooed for communion. What's up with that? What are you? Ooh. Ah. Here you go. Christmas ornament. Rain and I have always made a happy birthday Jesus cake. So there's cake mix in there. Do that. Sing happy birthday to Jesus. There's a bumper sticker. Just a lot of stuff in there. It's our gift to you. Please well, take one for your family. If you know a family that can't be here, take one for them. And the last thing we do is we sing happy birthday to Jesus. Would you stand up all over this place? We got Jesus a birthday cake. Ooh. <laughs> ah. Oh. You ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dear Jesus. Hey, we love you dearly. Merry Christmas. Stay and enjoy yourself. You're dismissed.